This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Today on the State of Ukraine, on the Eastern Front, Ukrainian civilians flee the fighting. I'm Greg Dixon. For most of the summer, Ukraine has been making its counteroffensive push. NPR's Brian Mann visited one area of the Eastern Front near Kharkiv and found it's the Russian army that is on the attack there. And, he found, Ukrainian civilians are fleeing the fighting, many of them elderly and alone. Down in a bombproof basement in Kharkiv that looks like a war room, Oleg Ivanov stands in front of a map of the front lines. Today, evacuation crew going to two villages to evacuate eight people. Ivanov, a student before the war, is still in his early 20s. Now he's part of an aid group that rescues civilians caught in the crossfire. He points to a village called Kupiansk, about 50 miles away. He says eight people in that area are on the list today. Now uh, we have active uh, combat. Now it's dangerous territory, dangerous evacuation process. One of the drivers today is Oleksandr Humanok, also in his 20s. We talk outside in the parking lot next to a battered red minivan. This is the rescue vehicle. I've been doing this since the first days of the war, he says. The first week I just grabbed a van and took 45 or 50 people to the nearest train station. I ask him if this is dangerous work, and he grins at me like I'm an idiot. It's very dangerous. There's a lot of adrenaline, he says. Three of his cars have been smashed by shrapnel. Some of his fellow volunteers have been killed. He tugs up his T-shirt and shows me a nasty, dimpled scar right in the middle of his chest. Is this a bullet? Yeah. Where did it go? Uh, While on a rescue mission, Gumanuk says a Russian bullet struck him near his heart. It lodged in his lung. He had surgery, and now he's back at it. At this point, we split up. Humanuk and his team drive toward the front lines in their red van. I head for an aid station in the nearby village of Shevchenkova. Humanuk agrees to carry along a recorder as he makes his run, driving through tiny, half-abandoned villages. At one point on the recording, we hear his evacuation crew meet a woman on the street. They try to convince her to get in the van. They tell her it's dangerous here. There's safety and medical care back in Kharkiv. But she refuses to go. She says she has an apartment here. And like a lot of villagers, she's staying put. At the aid station where I'm waiting in Shevchenkova, the streets are mostly empty. A handful of aid workers hunker down as the air raid siren sounds. And then Kumanuk's van pulls up. He says it was all quiet in Kupians today, no incoming fire this time. But he has only five passengers, all of them elderly, carrying battered suitcases. Ala Cherniakova from Kupiansk is fleeing with her mother and her father-in-law. They look drained and lost. It's scary at home, she tells me. Her house has been hit by mortars. They were forced to sleep on the floor because of shrapnel. Every day, the Russians bomb, 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 she says. And now there's no more electricity, so they had to get out. We set off quickly back toward the relative safety of Kharkiv. In the 18 months since this war began, territory along the Kupiansk front has changed hands again and again. This time, it's the Russians gaining ground. 
Volunteers and NGO officials say they've evacuated more than 20,000 Ukrainian civilians from this region, many of them in rough shape. Uh, they have been under heavy shelling for a long period. That's why they need definitely first psychological help. Igor Bodin is waiting for the van at a care center and dormitory that's been set up in Kharkiv. He's the local field manager for an NGO called the International Rescue Committee. He says people often need immediate medical care. They need to understand what will happen with them in the future because they're coming here without any ideas what's going on to be. But for many of the villagers, there's little comfort to be found here. I find Volodymyr Zugoriko sitting alone in a little playground behind the care center. I don't know what will happen to me, he says. They told me to wait, but where they'll take me, I don't know. Zagoriko is 60 years old and looks far older. He's wearing a shirt two sizes too large that someone donated. He says he had to leave his cat, and his village is now well behind Russian lines, so there'll be no going home anytime soon. When I ask if he has anyone to look out for him, anyone waiting, he shakes his head. There's only my mother-in-law, who's 83, he says. I have no children. There's no one else. One of Ukraine's top generals, Alexander Sirsky, said Friday more troops and weapons are needed to stop Russia taking more territory in this region. Aid officials say as the fighting continues around Kupiansk, thousands more villagers may need rescue. Brian Mann, NPR News, Kharkiv. Thanks for listening to the State of Ukraine from NPR News. We'll see you again soon. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. The past is shrouded in mystery. To understand it, you have to get up close. Something happened to our collective psyche after the atom bomb. On NPR's Throughline, we reopen stories from the past to find clues to the present. Find Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.